Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Football is a team game, and it takes everyone on that team to make the Chicago Bears. Go Bears! From NBC Sports Chicago, it's Adam Ho. Full disclosure, I've been going straight since 7 a.m. <laughs> yeah, you have a best friend. That's a shock. And from The Athletic, it's Adam Johns. I got people texting me about Vegas, L.A., Green Bay. I think that the line's going to be garbage, but it's still not going to be an easy game. Ready? It's The Adams. Nobody can come close to us. Hogan Johns. Let's begin now. What time is it? We are underway. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the uh, John's version of the Hogan John's podcast. That works because we got John Greenberg here as well, filling in for Adam Hogue. Um, we'll try to get you through it. There is a lot to talk about. Bears had their first open day of organized team activities, OTAs on Wednesday, riveting stuff. Andy Dalton was there. Justin Fields was there. You'll see Adam Hogue is not here. We have John Greenberg, the Chicago columnist for The Athletic, here with me. He's filling in. What's up, John? Hey, pretty good. When are we going to get these John and John's t-shirts? <laughs> uh, you know, you're you're behind Kevin Fishbane, who's still waiting for his Fish Dad, Fish Man shirts to to come uh, to obviousshirts.com. But we'll we'll see. We'll see. All right. We'll yeah. see. <laughs> um, but first, hey, we got to wish my guy Adam Hogue and, and his wife a special congratulations. Um, he's not here because they're celebrating the birth of their daughter Olivia Rose. Uh, I think he shared a picture. Of that cutie on Instagram and um, Twitter yesterday, so that, that's a great name. So congratulations to, yeah. to him. And, and in honor of uh, of Olivia Rose, I'll predict the Bears are going fifteen and two. <laughs> Adam will like that. You know, he still won't live down his. What, what did he have him as? Is fourteen and two? It was fourteen and two. Thirteen and three. Yeah, fourteen and two. Right. He made. I think so. Yeah. He was really confident about it too. Yeah, he was. He <laughs> was, and that stuck with them. But. Uh, Seriously, um, all the best to, to Adam, his wife, and his new daughter, uh, and his his son too, um, uh, James. Uh, he's now big brother James, so we're excited for them. I couldn't be happier and more excited for the Hogue family. You sound um, excited and happy. Me? Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, it's it's kind of late starting morning, John. You know, we got the Dunkin' Donuts going here. <laughs> I'm not used to, to driving this, so bear with me. Got we'll it. get you through it, but uh, yeah, I'm really excited for my my guy, Adam Hogue. So, all right, you know the deal. Follow me at Adam Johns, J-A-H-N-S. Read me at The Athletic. Follow Olivia's dad at Adam Hogue, H-O-G-E. You can read him at NBC Sports Chicago. You can check out our shirts at obviousshirts.com. Remember, part of the proceeds go to charity. So let's go. What's up, John? You ready to talk some uh, Justin Fields? Yeah, now if I would have known I was doing the show, I would have gone to the OTA practice yesterday. I was actually, I was double booked, okay? So I said I would do that, and then I realized I also said I was going to go to the Cubs game Wednesday. I forgot it was a day game. 
So even though OTA is a lot closer to my house, I had not been to a Cubs game as a reporter in a while. And I felt like I liked sitting down better than standing and watching practice. So I didn't go this on a, an opposite field where you can't see much. Right. You know, I did the rookie, you know, the rookie mini camp for a day for you guys when you were on one of your luxurious vacations of the year and, and Fishbane was on his paternity leave. Don't get Mark Potash started on that. Um, and then fish went to the next one and then I was supposed to go to Sunday, but it got canceled. So I did get to see a little, I got a little, I got the Justin, I had the first day of the Justin Fields experience. You get the full Justin Fields experience because Andy Dalton wasn't there. That's true. Well, what was the backup's name? What was that guy's name? Um, I can't ever remember. The, the, the rookie they had, he was, he was not very good. He's not, that guy's going to be selling something soon. Yeah. Yeah. Poor guy. Um, so, so as a columnist, let me ask you, you probably have a different vantage point on this, not just standing on the field, but the way you look at this, this Bears situation, this Bears team, especially with Justin Fields coming in. Like, how would you characterize your feelings about this team now that they have a, a brand new quarterback to digest? Well, I mean, it changed everything, right? I mean, it changed. There's nothing worse, you know, um, to, to let you guys, let, to let our listeners in. Like, we either want a team to be really good or really bad, especially me from a columnist point of view. The eight and eight, seven and nine teams, you know, nine and seven, those are, those are never that fun because you can't really pick a lane, not that exciting. They're not really stirring up people's interests. So, you know, going into the season before they drafted Fields, it was just kind of like, eh, there's a very meh kind of kind of feeling about the team. And now you got a rookie quarterback. You know, you have a rookie quarterback. You have one that people are actually excited about. Like, no offense to Mitch, great guy. You know, we were really interested to see what he was going to be. And, and, you know, when he had those flashes, we were excited. But it is a different ball game. I mean, Justin Fields to Mitch is just – you you can't really – I don't want to say you can't compare them, but, like, it's just it, – we, we've never seen this really in Chicago. Right. Even when Cutler came in, I was yeah. that was the first year I started covering the Bears. Yeah. I mean, Cutler fever, everyone had it. But there was a lot of concerns about Cutler from the very before he started. And then from that first game on, you know, Justin Fields, we've never had a guy with this kind of like this is the guy people always look at and say, why can't the Bears have a guy like this? We don't know if he's going to succeed. But I mean, the potential's there and the potential to write about him. You know, he's not going to give us uh, he's not going to throw red meat to us like Jay Cutler, the red meat uh, salesman is, you know, is now doing professionally. But, you, you pay know, you for that plug. Right. This this podcast presented by Cuts. Um, <laughs> cuts no. So, cuts. yeah, it's like he, he's not like super chatty about stuff. But I mean, man, people are excited. I mean, think about like our company, like what they were telling us, like how big the spikes were of interest from Justin Fields when, he got tra- when the trade happened. Yeah. Right. I, I, I always bring up this fact. Mitch Trubisky went to the Bulls game and he got booed. They, yeah. they, they put him on the big screen, the jumbotron, and he got booed. Think about that. Like, yeah. welcome to Chicago, kid. And if Justin Fields went to the Cubs game like you were at yesterday or a White Sox game, Gosh. both teams are playing great. Like, he'd be the the, the applause. There'd, there'd be a standing a standing ovation for him. Absolutely, hundred percent. Yeah, and they Five said that the white, you know, the day of the draft was a White Sox game, and they didn't even announce it right away. People just got it on their phones, obviously. And there started like a, a Justin Fields chant started at the Sox game. So that really shows, you know, the difference of, of what people expect. Yeah. To me, like, it's a, good, it's a good word there because you've seen Justin Fields in the biggest yeah. college football games. You didn't see Mitch Trubisky unless you were a scout or, or Ryan Pace at the Sun Bowl. Like, it, it's just different. Like, there, there's 
that sense of familiarity helps with fans in a sense. You, you saw him maybe lose to Northwestern and then score six touchdowns on national television against Clemson. I think that helps fans get over some anxiety over the, the selection. Absolutely. And that's what, you know, I mean, that's college sports is for is introducing us, you know, to these guys and fields is, you know, people were tweeting about it at the time, right. When fields is dicing up Clemson, like why can't the bears, the bears are going to have no shot to get this guy, right. No shot. And you know, the fact that he fell, you know, to fourth among them, it's like, when does thing, when do things ever work out like this for the bears? And yeah, we don't know what kind of quarterback he's going to be. yet. We have no idea, but you know, just the, the opportunity is there. The excitement is there. I mean, this is what sports is all about. People are just bears fans have every reason to be optimistic. I and mean, we're going to see, you know, he's going to, it's funny because I think he's third right now, right on or sec it's Tebow Tebow and then fields <laughs> and then fields is like the next How crazy is that by the way? Unbelievable. It's just like, yeah, it's just people having fun, but like, you know, what just came out and I, I know the athletic had it was they showed um, NFL PA like had to, has to do a report for the labor department and they showed who are the top licensees, the license, you know, they get the players getting the most money from their licensing. And, you know, I think two was three. It's, it's Mahomes, Peyton Manning, and then Tua and Joe Burrow. And we'll see field. I bet you fields is going to rival Mahomes as far as licensing for next year. Yeah, no, absolutely. He's, he's got to start him to him already. Now he's not going to start right away, but there is, it's, this is not a shared market either. You know, you know, like like a star quarterback in Chicago is something the NFL has been missing. It's never had. I, like Jay Cutler was was okay, and but a true star quarterback in Chicago, Jay never had a star run. I mean, he no. never did. Like he never had a. He always had that potential and the hope, and he had good games here and there. But he just never had. He never really had a good run of games, you know. And that was just his first season was awful. You know, and then the second season he takes in the NFC Championship where he becomes a national joke. And, you know, and it wasn't fair, but, you know, he just never had a run like that where people could really, people were excited about him in Chicago, but it never, nationally, no one ever liked him. No, no. Still don't like him, some of them. <laughs> as <laughs> right, much exactly. as his story has changed. Uh, all right, keep your columnist cap on. Like, what are your concerns now? For, for, for me, it's what the Bears can actually do for Fields. Right. There's there's less projection. There's less development needed with Fields, especially compared to Trubisky. So now it's almost like the pressure is on Matt Nagy, Bill Lazor, John DeFilippo, his receivers getting Ryan Pace in there, and you know getting his, his star quarterback, his new young quarterback, some help. Like the pressure is elsewhere. Where are your concerns with the situation for Fields? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a big one. I mean, I'm I'm you know I'm somewhat pro Nagy. I don't you know I. Obviously, my optimism <laughs> like wa- wavered a little bit last year when you saw kind of the the mistakes that happened, the quick trigger to get Foles, which we we liked at first, but then you saw kind of the downside of it. I thought he kind of threw Mitch under the bus a little too much at times. Um, so yeah, there's definitely pressure on these guys. They're not like Bill Lazor. I mean, I know, I'm sure he's a good coach, but it's not like Bill Lazor is Bill Walsh. I mean, what's he really? What's Bill? You know, what's he really done? I mean, you know, I, I don't not to like again. He's I'm sure a great coach, but. You know, it's not like he's a, he's foolproof or like, you know, time-tested Matt Nagy, you know, worked under the great Andy Reid. You know, he's not the brains of the operation. So, yeah, I think those are all concerns. I think keeping – I think just the general NFL concern of keeping a guy healthy, you know, and just wondering what's going to be the thing. Like, right, what's the turning point of this? What's going to be – you know, all we think about is what could go wrong because we just have never seen anything really go right offensively with this team. So yeah. it's kind of tough to – 
to really just put fields into like a blueprint of what we've seen before in Chicago and what we've seen with these coaches. It's, there's a lot of unknowns. So I guess I'm not really concerned about one particular thing. It's just the unknowns, you know, that we know the known unknowns. Yeah. I I do think like Nick Foles' failures changed the conversation about Nagy a a bit because this was a guy who was supposed to come in there and run the offense as expected, as hoped, right? As planned. Mitch Trubisky did not do that. In 2019, I, Trubisky got the scrutiny. You saw the the dialed-up deep shots where Taylor Gabriel is open in multiple games and Mitch misses him, sometimes really badly. That is on Trubisky. Great play call by Matt Nagy, yeah. missed by Mitch Trubisky. But then in 2020, like some of those misses were still there, but now it's like, why is Nagy still calling him if the quarterback can't hit them? Why is the run game not working for the third year in a row? Why does Nick Foles stink like that? Like he, he, he came out really, really well. That, that game in Atlanta, awesome performance. He had a couple other good moments, uh, beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the eventual Super Bowl champions, but then he stunk. So I'm always in, in Chicago. It's, it's always interesting to watch how the, the narratives change from week to week and even season to season. Is it not? Yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, I mean, Covering all the every team here, you know, since '09, really, and before that, up back to '03 when I started. So, like, yeah, it's like it's the Luke Nella line. I always quote, you know, when people in Chicago just get too giggly, you know, too high when too high when things are going well, and just really low when things are bad. And I think that's just a product of the experience of, of being a fan of these teams and covering these teams because there's just a lot. We've had some real inconsistent teams to cover and follow. I mean, you see it. White Sox make. Win the World Series in 05, make one playoff appearance until last season. You know, the Cubs are the Cubs. The Bears still talking about 85. You know, they get one playoff appearance out of Cutler. You know, it's just like, how can you expect Chicago fans to be anything, you know, but that, you know, to have anything but that kind of roller coaster sense of emotion? That's why I don't like it when, when we as sports journalists, you know, and now we have Twitter to do that with like chide fans for getting too excited or too, too down about teams. Well, like, what do you expect? Like, this is all they've known. Like we're not, they're not robots. Like the purpose of what's a fan, but a fanatic. Right. So like they should get really excited about Josh. About I keep, I'm going to keep calling him Josh Fields because of my experience covering the White Sox. Uh, about Justin Fields, <laughs> I want to do. Maybe I'll, I'll call Josh Fields about that. See if he's getting. Like, <laughs> yeah, you're not the only one, right? Like, see if Josh Fields is getting like a resurgence of like tweets and stuff. He yeah. should start a Twitter account if he doesn't have one, just to see if he gets like the strays. Yeah, the the people who can't like really stay on top of things on Twitter, right? Like Nationals reporter Mark uh, Mark Zuckerman, who yeah. gets all the Mark Zuckerberg yeah. uh, tweets. Yeah, no, my my favorite one was the bodybuilder Jay Cutler. Right. <laughs> Like, you don't want to mess with that guy anyway, but you know here, here he is getting all sorts of hate mail and whatnot and he because Jay, like, he kills Jay in the Google search, Google Analytics. They always he comes up first all the time. He does, even with you know the uh, the TMZ report that Jay Cutler's going after uh, Kristen Cavallari's uh, <laughs> business. I know. Exactly. Did you did you support that by buying his bracelet that was a can opener? I did not. I did not. The other I day I could have used one. Last weekend I could have used one of those. <laughs> Right. It's like, yeah, now you're like, man, I really could use a bracelet that's a can opener or just a can opener that you don't yeah. wear. <laughs> yeah. You know, honestly, when he first came out with that, John, I'm like, that is a great idea. Like, why? It is a, how often do you wear a bracelet? Never. Never. Right. Maybe if there was like a watch function in there, maybe like a watch can opener. 
Right. I mean, that was why, you know, when we were in college, the the can opener keychain was like as, as important as actually having the key, you know, having that. Although, you know, I guess most of the stuff I drank in college really didn't require a can no, opener. Your, your, your keystone <laughs> lights and bush lights. <laughs> yeah, right. I didn't, I didn't really need, I guess unless I was shotgunning it, I didn't really need it. Yeah, that's that's when you need the key. Right. Um, Andy Dalton. Um, Matt Nagy made sure to bring up his red hair yesterday, which I thought was kind of funny and interesting. But um, like, it's usually the columnists who start the calls for the, like the changes, right? Like, right. It, it usually starts with you, Rick Talon, Rick Morrissey, you know, David Hall. Like, eventually, you guys have seen enough. You know, Sully, Paul Sullivan's gonna get in on this too. You know, eventually, all you guys are gonna see enough of Andy Dalton. You're gonna call for the change, like so. What's right. your, what's your game? Okay, so I did a story on it was I, when the schedule came out, looking at specific games. I thought I'm being a little more controlled this time instead of just saying, "Oh, you know, it's useless to start Andy Dalton. You got to start Fields right away." I get it because experience is the best teacher. I do think I would love to see Dalton succeed at first because this is a long play for Justin Fields. This isn't a quick. He's not a savior, right? He's not, he's not here to save the 2021 Bears. This is they finally have a guy for the future. I'm perfectly fine with them being, you know, conservative about it. But in the same sense, we know he's going to play this year. Like almost all, you know, you can use Mahomes as the one, you know, the lone example, really, but like they all play. So like I think it is important for him to play at some point this year. Now it depends on wins and losses, how Andy Dalton's doing. So like I put down as my conservative guess something like you know, maybe week eight, right? Now that's not perfect because the next week is at Pittsburgh on Monday night, which is, a you know, not great for your young quarterback. But guess what? This is the NFL. He's going to have tough games. There's no, there's never really a stretch of, e- you know, more than a, one or two easy games in a row. And the Bears have this weird back and forth home and away thing this year. So there's not like a couple ones to get them situated at home. So I kind of like that. I, I think that would be almost a best case scenario for the Bears is if they're around like 500 or something, they make that change against San Francisco on Halloween and, you know, and let him go from there because then he's got a Monday night game and then the bye week, you know, and then, and then you let him do the second half of the season and see what he's got. Yeah. Olivia's dad and I went through the the schedule and there, there's really no soft point, like no, no entry point. Like there's no easy bye week and then, or easy game after a bye week, I should say to, to start them to, to me. The, the 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 change the, the decision to change comes down to the point when Andy Dalton becomes the problem, right? Yeah. Like like, like they, they want the problem yes when they, they switch to, to Mitch yes yes it it was clear like even last year it became that Nick Foles was one of the problems he was no longer yeah. part of the solution right where you now you have to swallow your pride and go back to Mitch Trubisky to to possibly save your season and actually Mitch. Did that in a sense. Now it came against bad teams, but he still did it. But that changed the season. Um, I don't know when that's going to happen. Um, it, it's tough to say. It, it is a tougher schedule. I'll, I'll say this in terms of first impressions. Like you didn't get the chance to see Andy Dalton, but my first impression of Nick Foles during training camp was like, oh, like this this doesn't look good. He looks right. uncomfortable. He's checking the ball down a lot. Yesterday was different for Andy Dalton. It was to Cole Komet, Marquise Goodwin. Um, 
down the field a lot. Jimmy Graham in the back of the end zone. He was aggressive. Um, now it, it helped to be playing against the defense that only included one starter because Roquan Smith was the only defensive starter to show up. But did he not get the email? Did he not get the group text from the rest of the guys? Yeah, I know. <laughs> Right, he's not in that one, right. or you know, like like all of us, we're in like too many, and you can't keep up with what's going on in the multiple groups and whatnot. Everyone. Um, yeah, no, but listen, Dalton's better than some. I mean, listen, Mike Glennon knock was is just not that good. And like, I have a quarterback friend who's who played in college around the same time as him. And he texted me, professional, and he's like, Mike Glennon's never been good. Like, I don't under. He's like, I just don't get it. I don't understand the fascination with this guy. And Dalton's good. He's fine. He's not a great core. He's not the best. You know, no one's arguing over Andy Dalton's place in quarterbacks, right? Of, of all time, he's just a pretty good quarterback, and I think, I think he should be fine. I think really, though, you know, we'll look at him not to be all football coachy, but like you know, after four games, right? That's when we're really going to start three or four games. That's when you're really going to start evaluating how he's doing. Give him those first few games, you know, and you break it up into quarters to get all you know football coachy. Now we can't do it perfectly because of the seventeen the seventeenth yeah. game, but. I think after four is when you're going to start seeing the calls, right? Unless he's just awful from the beginning. Like really awful. Like two bad series. Then people start. <laughs> yeah. Well, first inter- well, you know, you're going to get those comments after the first interception and maybe the broadcast will we'll bring it up. And look, I think it's important to note that the bears, the 2021 bears are significantly better than the 2017 bears. Just go look at those receiving cores. Donchell Immen, Trey McBride, Kendall Wright. Are, are, are you kidding me? Deion Sims. The, the, what the Bears have now for Andy Dalton. Yeah. Like even pass protection-wise. It, it, it's it's better. It's it's an upgraded team. Like Mike Glennon, 2017 Bears weren't good. Mike Glennon made them worse. But the 2021 Bears at least have, I mean, they, they made the playoffs, albeit as the extra seventh seed. But they're still a playoff so. team. Here's a question I have. Do you think... You know, the thing you talk about, stuff that concerns you, is Matt Nagy going to outsmart himself again? Because we've seen it in a few seasons where Nagy, like, I like Nagy a lot and I like his energy. And I feel like he just sometimes does too much. The kicking competition, that was doing too much, right? In last year's quarterback competition, his brief quarterback competition, which didn't make, which was like a lot of smoke screen. I mean, he was just waiting for Nick, for, he was just waiting to put in Nick Foles, you know? So, I mean, like, I wonder sometimes, like, when he gets a little too antsy this year and he's going to be able to control himself and actually just, you know, be calm about things and just give Andy the chance. And I think he will, because I think he probably respects Andy. You know, I'm not that he didn't, I don't know. I, the Mitch thing was kind of a problem with me. I did. Sometimes you did feel like he just was frustrated with Mitch and was just done. With oh, for sure. For right? sure. I mean, and you know, not to say he didn't respect Mitch, but like, you know, I'm sure, Mitch is glad to be gone. <laughs> yeah, I think what, what what Nagy Matt Nagy is using his full name there. What what he needed was Mitch to take that next step, right? And maybe Trubisky took one off the field and seeing what you know, being able to discuss what the Bears wanted to run. But on the field, it was always like a step back. Like he still couldn't complete and do what Matt Nagy. Why am I using his first full name? What Nagy wanted him to do. Like, and I think that did. Yeah, oh, absolutely. There were some frustrations for, for Nagy to get and, through. And I love that Mitch, like, just kind of took it on. Like, after he got benched, he kind of, I think, not only came out of his shell, but kind of did with the media in terms of, like, you know, he was no no more, like, yes, sir, no, ma'am type stuff. He was, like, trying to take control of his career. And I think that was, I think it was a real wake-up call for him. 
I think it's, you know, when you come in as a first round quarterback, second pick overall, you have the sheen about you, you know, franchise savior. Everyone's kind of like catering to you, even though he's not an ego guy, you know, he's not, but he's not like a huge ego guy, but I think there is that sense where you're protected. And then he kind of realized that it's not the case anymore. So I kind of, you know, Mitch has his limitations and he has his faults, but I like really respected how he kind of just came out after that benching and just said, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. Yeah, and actually he injected more of himself into the, the play calls. He he went to the coaches with what he wanted to run at the end of the season. He took kind of took control of his own story. You saw things kind of fall apart against the Packers and, and then the Saints in the playoffs. But, yeah, there there things just weren't right by the end of the season, at least with Nagy and Trubisky. Um, I think if you're the Bears, like you hope Matt Nagy learns from this. That he's yeah. like whatever didn't work between him and Mitch is not the same with with him and Justin Fields. That by being involved so thoroughly involved in the pre draft process with selecting Justin Fields to to celebrating you know and swearing out of excitement after right. you select him like that helps change things. Now now you guys are linked. Like right. I, I think may, maybe Na- maybe Nagy always felt like he'd get a second chance, and here's his second chance. But now Fields is everything to Nagy, so you would hope he would learn from any of the mistakes that he made in dealing with Trubisky and that developmental process. And right, and I think the pre-draft process. I think it's something you know, and you wrote about it uh, really well, very profitably for the company, um, in how that went down. But the fact that it, you know. He, they have better people advising Ryan Pace on this and this, this quarterback quorum they have, you know, of who's good and who's not. And it wasn't just Ryan Pace falling in love with this guy because of his personality and his intangibles, like you did with Trubisky and seeing, just seeing potential, you know, they could with, with fields with two seasons as the starter for, you know, I would say arguably, the, you know, one of the two or three premier football, you know, programs in the country along with Alabama and Clemson, you know, you can see what, it's just a different level of competition and what fields, you know, was able to do in college, I think is a lot easier for them, you know, to decipher. You didn't have to put, you didn't have to put your rose colored glasses on and say, Oh, imagine if this guy could get his deep ball together or imagine if he could do this better, like he could do it. (laughs) Here it is. Here's the film. Yeah. In big games. Like there's, there's just less projection uh, with, with, with with fields. And, And to be honest, like, if you're just comparing him to to his draft class, and I've said this in previous podcasts, I want to hear what you think, John. Like Trey Lance, there's a lot of risk there. Yeah, Zach Wilson, there's a lot of risk there. I understand the the talent, um, I understand the projection, but if there's anything we learn is 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 outsiders, maybe it's it's okay to take the safer bet. Maybe it's okay to to look at the guy from Ohio State who played in some of the biggest college football games over the past couple of years and say, all right, you know, maybe his, maybe there's, you start poking holes in his game, maybe, maybe too much, but it's the safer pick. It's the better pick in my mind, at least when, when you look at the way things played out with Trubisky, like Deshaun Watson should have been the pick. Right. The safer pick, the the more productive college quarterback pick. Zach Wilson and Trey Lance have a lot to prove for the Jets 49ers. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree with you 100%. I think, and I think, you know, you talk to people around the league, everyone's got different opinions. You know, you know, 
know, you can't, every unnamed scout is not a genius, but like, you know, I think a lot of people put fields at number two, you know, especially the people that didn't have to make those, those picks and those guesses and those take those risks. You know, people I talked to were like, yeah, it's, you know, I could definitely see him being, you know, two. And I mean, could be better than, than Trevor Lawrence, but you know, two, I think is a pretty safe, I think him at two, you know, as the second best is a pretty safe assumption. Now, what do you think of field in person? He's thick, man. He's a well-built dude. <laughs> I mean, he's not Trubisky. You're like, using Pat Finley's word. He can't use that word. Yeah, he's not like Trubisky looking like a tight end, you know. But like, he, he's like a very like lower half, especially which you know is pretty important. Yeah, well, especially in today's NFL, you need that m- mobility. Now, I think his ability to process and his ability to hit those deep balls, like the, those, stand out to me. But you need your quarterbacks to to be mobile now. These these pass rushers are just. They're, they're too fast. They're, they're too fast. They come from both sides now. It's just not like you need that, that blind side protected. They come from both ends. We know, you know, Khalil Mack will rush off the right tackle a, a lot. So that'll be good work for the Bears rookie uh, offensive tackles, you know, just, just thinking of it. But, yeah, I think it was David Montgomery yesterday who said, you know, you, you could see he's, what was, I forget his exact words, but extremely, insanely athletic. I, I think were the words David Montgomery used to describe Justin Fields and, then he went on to praise the guy like that. That stands out to me. Like the, even with Andy Dalton there, players are taking notice. Like they should take notice. They should feel a different vibe when Justin Fields is walking around the fields at, at Hallis Hall. Absolutely, you could see. Like I mean, we saw it from the instant reaction from guys like Eddie Jackson. You know, game respects game. Like these are guys when you watch NFL players are watching college games, they're loving a guy like Justin Fields. They're all going nuts because they they recognize talent. They recognize. Like they like guys liked Mitch, I think, you know, he's a real nice guy, but like, it's just different. So, and they, they respected Mitch's like athletic ability and whatever, but you know, as a quarterback, it's going to get all the attention, all the money and all the responsibility. I think these guys are, are really pretty enamored with Justin. Now, what was your, I guess Andy Dalton had a much different reaction than the infamous Mike Lennon interview <laughs> that we had in 17, where before Fishbane was working for me, I made him go count how many times he said it's my year. This is my year. Oh, that that press conference. Well, I don't think Andy Dalton was at a draft party, you know, sponsored and held by the Bears at Soldier Field <laughs> when Justin Fields was selected. So the the start is a bit different. It, it just goes back to the process to, to me, John. Like it's it's Matt Nagy calling Andy Dalton in the morning of the draft and telling him this is a possibility, keeping him up to date on the situation. And then calling him immediately after the selection of Justin Fields, when he gets off the phone with Justin Fields and telling him, all right, that this is now a reality. We still believe in you. This is your year. We want to sit Justin for as long as we can. And it's really on you to do that. So the the mentor role, I think Andy Dalton embraces. I don't think Mike Glennon was ready for that. And he shouldn't Should Mike Glennon's not even like he's not a mentor either. Like Andy Dalton's played a lot more football, like significantly more football than Mike Glennon at this point in their careers. Right. And once you get past the point where you're, you're the original team you're with for like a decade, let you go. And then, you know, you can either bounce around, maybe catch fire somewhere, you know, win a little bit, or you become a mentor. And listen, being a mentor as a quarterback in the NFL is a very, very profitable, low risk type of business. You know, our guy Chase Daniel never had a chance to even start. He's just a media mentor, but like you can make good money. It's a nice little career. Work on your golf game, wear your hat backwards, 
you know, make a million bucks, two million bucks. It's pretty good. Yes. Pretty good lifestyle. Star in some team produced videos where, where you trick your teammates into thinking you're a fan, you know, like remember those Chase Daniel videos? Right. I mean, literally the sky's the limit. Maybe you get a house in Glencoe next to the fish man. You know, you just, you're just living life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anything else about this team this year in 2021? I mean, everybody's talking about the defense because nobody was there yesterday. I'm not too concerned about that. All the guys, um, as expected are in zoom, but like, right. They're doing the zooms. These guys like it's voluntary. Like they just, you know, some teams are taking a stand. I understand it. Like defense will be fine as long as they're healthy. You know, they're healthy. They're fine. You know, you hope that they're t- – I, I can't imagine there's much concern about guys like Khalil Mack taking care of their bodies. So Yeah, and, and from my understanding, he's actually been in house off for, like, other workouts in the past. So it, it is all voluntary. The Bears aren't the only team going through this. Like, I think you would like to see the Deion Bushes of the world be there, like the Artie right. Burnses of the world be there, your – who else was in there? Jordan Lucas. I'm just going through all the defensive backs. Yeah, it stinks for Desai a little bit. You know, just not having his guys there, so he can really get a look at them on the field as the guy in charge. But you know, like they're going through the classes. You know, training camps. What's important? You know, these guys will be there for that. Yeah, three defensive linemen were there yesterday. So, <laughs> so yeah, like you want your numbers a little bit better, but especially for your new defensive coordinator, your young defensive coordinator, and but it is what it is. It, it's voluntary and. Right. The majority of the offense was there, John, and that's all we're there to see, right? Justin Fields, Andy Dalton, no Allen Robinson. Maybe the defense just knew that we weren't going to talk about them anyway. You know, they know they knew they know the narratives. They follow they follow people on Twitter. They know it's just Justin Fields' show, so they're like, "Why come?" You know, it's like it reminds me of an old story. I remember, um, I remember Lewis Isaacson telling me about it from Cutler's first training camp. Porters are standing around waiting for Cutler as usual. And, and Lance Briggs comes up to them. He's like, what? No one wants to talk to me anymore. He's like, what do you need me to do? Dance for you? And he starts doing like a little dance. <laughs> and, you know, cause that was the, I think the point of time when like, uh, you know, they were, he, Lance was probably bringing about a contract or something. So now he actually does want to talk. Yeah. Well, I remember the days where, where Charles Tillman were, would bust our chops on the sideline. You know what? Nobody wants to cheer on defense. You know, everybody's going crazy about the, the deep balls from Cutler to, to, to whomever when Martellus Bennett and Brandon Marshall were there, but the defense was still doing its job. Yeah, exactly. Like it's just, yeah, it, it, it's a really funny style. It would definitely be a good story to tackle one day is how defense really feels about like our obsession with quarterbacking in the league. Cause I remember after Cutler's NFC championship game being a locker room next day and it was, you know, still a big deal. Peanut kind of said something to us basically like, you know, a lot of guys, he wasn't downplaying Jay's injury, but he just goes, you know, a lot of guys get hurt. A lot of us get hurt and, you know, maybe we play through stuff or we have to leave. And like, you guys are really making a bigger deal out of this than like you would if it was one of us. So yeah. Yeah. interesting point of view. Right. All right, John. Well, well, well thanks for filling in for uh, uh, Olivia's dad, as I'll call him on this podcast. Uh, you can 15 follow and two. 15 to two. Any, anything you want to plug? Anything you got coming up? I know you went to the Cubs game yesterday. What are you working on? I just did. Yeah, I did a column yesterday on the Cubs. I'm actually working on an interesting baseball story that goes beyond Chicago. I uh, don't want to don't want to be one of those people teasing it before it's done, but uh, it'll be out probably on Monday. You know, we're taping this on a Thursday, so it'll probably be out Monday. Um, so I'm working on that feature right now. Um, just yeah, keep reading the Athletic. When's your next story on John Shire? That's a good one. I think Brian Hamilton for us is working on that because he really covered Shire for the Trib, you know, during his high school career. So I did talk about uh, to one of his friends about maybe going to get the John Shire uh, steak sandwich at Little Louis. 
in Northbrook because he does have a sandwich named after him. Um, I, I drove through downtown Northbrook yesterday, and there wasn't you know a big a big party quite yet. Maybe they're waiting. To That's really- big news. Uh, John Shire, you know, Chicago awesome. kid, North suburban kid taking over for uh, coach K at Duke. It, listen, it's awesome. And 10 years. It's funny. 10 years ago, I was looking for the story, you know, was he was out of college. He got, he was playing summer league for the heat and they were, he was going to make the heat. I think like possible is the last, yeah, I said his job was going to be the first guy off the bench to high five LeBron and, and like Dwayne Wade. But you know, there's a good chance he's gonna make the heat and he got, he got his eye cut. It summer league and like they kind of screwed him up. The, the ambulance took him in the wrong way. Like his eye was really bad. He still can't really see fully out of one of them. Wow. Like they could have, they possibly could have sued, uh, but they did. So he still wanted to make it, but no one had heard from him for a while. So his friend, Justin Weiner, who, you know, was um, a WGN radio guy who was a good friend from high school. And he put me in touch with them. And 10 years ago, I did this big feature on what he's doing now and how he's recovering from the eye incident. And like right after I did it, he got so much attention and people were like reaching out to me, told me, you know, and then he decided to go back. He went back to the G League or D League, whatever it was called then, and went back to play for a couple of years in Europe, here and in Europe. And then, you know, right, right on to coaching. And I've kept in touch with him, you know, after that column. Um, he didn't get the DePaul job. Like he wanted, I think he wanted DePaul. Kind of worked out for him. Yeah, I would and say. I would say, yeah, he's, he's a great guy. I mean, just a really good person. Do you cover him at all during that? No, I, I remember. Well, I worked in the office during Glenbrook North's title run. He, they won it his junior year. Yeah, senior year he lost to Derrick Rose. Yeah, that's right. And you shared a great picture of Shire and Derrick Rose fighting for the ball. I, I think if you're from Chicago, like you, you heard about Shire when he was like in eighth grade. Right. Like in that yeah, GBN team. Yes. Oh, the, the buzz around him was was intense. And he, he proved it with... With GBN, he, he got the well. He went to Duke. Um, was a great player there. I mean, he never became like a an NBA level player like we're talking about. But in Chicago, if like you follow Chicago basketball, John Shire is a name you remember. Yeah, he's one of the all time greats, and that's why he's been able to recruit Chicago for for Duke. And last year in, in 2020, pretty much about a month before the pandemic, I did with the All Star game coming in. I did a big story on like what Chicago basketball means to different people, and I tried to talk to people different people from different eras. And I talked to Shire and he told me, you know, just how, you know, how much respect he had for Chicago basketball history and, you know, what a big fan he was of history and how he used to go to the Proviso West tournament as a kid to watch these great teams and how, when he did that, when he scored 21 points in 75 seconds, you know, he felt really honored. And he told me the thing that really, you know, bother him to this day is that they didn't win. He actually lost that game while scoring like 50 points, 51 points. So he loved Chicago basketball. We even talked about a little bit about the idea of being, you know, a white basketball player from the rich suburb, the rich suburbs of Chicago and having to prove himself, you know, in the summers and things like that and against great teams and how much he really, that motivated him. So I'm a big John Shire fan, you know, um, no one wants to root for Duke, but like, you know, in his case, I will. Well, Coach K is a Chicago guy. I think, you know, there's always been a connection to this area. Yeah, right. He was from like Wicker Park, basically, like, you know, West Town. So, yeah. Um, Yeah, I'm happy for John. I'm happy for his family and for his friends. You should write something. I will. I'll probably write something. (laughs) Well, thanks, John. Um, Everybody who's listening, you can follow John Greenberg at John underscore Greenberg, right? Uh, You can read his Cubs stuff, Bears stuff, all the Chicago sports stuff here on The Athletic. Thanks, John. Thanks for having me.
All right, so this is what we're going to do. Um, we're going to take a quick break here, everybody, and then we're going to play some Matt Nagy on Justin Fields. I'm going to give you my thoughts on the, the Bears' plan. Then I'll answer your questions from Twitter. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Jeff Nickerson. Hey, Matt. Great to see you today. Hey, Jeff. How you doing, man? Wonderful. Um, hey, since the end of rookie minicamp, how have you seen Justin Fields go about the business of trying to acclimate himself to the team, to the offense, and to, to being an NFL quarterback? Yeah, Jeff, he's done a really good job at just trying to digest everything that we're teaching this offense in particular right now. Um you know, the one thing that I you learn when you, you get with Justin is you really realize that, um, you know, he does everything really well in a group setting. He listens. Uh, he observes Andy, Nick, Coach Flip, Bill Lazor, myself when we're in there. But also, too, I think you, you talk to these coaches and, and then myself as well included when you're able to have one on one individual conversations with him. And sometimes those settings are a little easier and you can be a little bit more specific with him. Um, you really see him open up. So it'll be cool to see him once he really starts understanding what we do here in this offense, to see him continue to just grow and open up and ask good questions, which he's done. And everything that we thought he was going to be when he got here with just uh, uh, learning and, and being obsessed with doing everything that we teach him and then being able to just kind of be himself out there in the field, he's really doing things uh, in, a, in a really good way. And then I also want to credit Andy and Nick in those meeting rooms, I, it, it's uh, again, it's really neat to see the way that they treat him, the way they help him and vice versa. So I wish you all could be in there to see it. Uh, it's just the start right now. But I think um, for all of us that they're, they're certainly all growing. Same with Andy is his first time going through this offense. Stacy Dales. I'm just curious about the different leadership that you've seen from both already with Andy and Justin and how they're juxtaposing each other because they're obviously different players. Andy and, and, and Justin and, and Nick, um, it, again, I've, I've lived it. I've been a part of it in the meetings and the practice field with, with how it goes and dynamics. And it's very natural. There's those guys have each other's backs, you know? And, and so now I think what we're seeing is you see a guy right now in practice with Andy that he's, he's been doing this for nine or 10 years. And so when he calls a play and he sees a short motion coming in and the guy's going to quick tick and then hit it on a shallow cross, he times it up just right, right? Well, Justin's never done that before. This is the first time he's doing that. And so when he brings a guy in short motion and quick ticks it and hits it on the run, the timing might be a little bit off. And so, like, Justin just needs more reps 
to get per well, Andy's done that for nine years. So Andy's seen rotation. He's seen post-snap stuff. And I think that like football-wise, they're growing at, at really good paces right now, but they're also helping each other out, which is going to make us better. And now we're just trying to teach this offense to all the, the rest of the guys as well. All right, one last one from Joe Lewis. Yeah, Matt, in regards to um, Justin needing more reps and in addition to what you just spoke about, Andy, how has Justin's mentality been, say, let's say he has missed the pass or he has upselled one? How has his response been, at least in your perspective, when that's happened? It, it's It's been good. Now, it hasn't happened a lot because we're only a few days in with going against the defense. So a lot of this has been on air. So being able to see it now, he's so he's just very he's extremely, extremely calm, which I love. So when something bad happens, the next play, it doesn't matter to him because he's so calm and he has confidence in himself. When something good happens, he's like he reacts the same. And and that part is that's that's a that's a good trait to have because you can never get too high and you can never get too low. That's why he's had the success he's had. You talk about the games that he played last year, we, you know, the, the struggles that they had um, against Northwestern and Indiana. And, you know, but yet he also comes back in a lot of those plays and, and steps up and, and makes plays or the next game has a great game. And so he's just it's in his DNA. He's wired the right way. And that's what I love about him. And all he all Justin wants to do right now is football. That's all he cares about. He just wants to be the best quarterback he can possibly be. He wants us to be able to teach him everything we can teach him. He wants to be able to learn from Andy. Coach Flip and Coach Laser are doing a phenomenal job right now, man. You want to talk about obsessed and passionate about helping these quarterbacks out? So it, it's it's neat to see. You feel it. And we just got to keep that going. And again, work to that plan that we talked about with all those quarterbacks. And then just, just, uh, just let these guys grow at their own pace. And then let us be able to evaluate them. All right. Um, that is Matt Nagy, as promised, talking about Justin Fields. I know everybody needs their Justin Fields content. So there you have it. He's always going to be a topic of conversation. Yes, Andy Dalton is here. Andy Dalton was praised by Matt Nagy for a lot of things on the field. It's his anticipatory throws. It's the fire, the redheaded fire he shows um, when he's correcting his teammates. Off field, he's been great for Justin Fields as well. But um, I think that last quote from Nagy speaks to what John Greenberg and I were talking about earlier. It's that, you know, it's seeing him in big games. You know, I think he mentioned Northwestern and Indiana. Um, it's it's seeing him respond after mistakes in those games. We keep going back to that Clemson game. And it's it's learning from it. It's It's building on things. And his development is going to be everything. We know it. Um, but I think right now, from an intangible sense, Fields is in a good place. Uh, he's in a good place to learn. I think John Filippo, his expertise in terms of what's called experience, recent experience, developing Carson Wentz, at least for a couple years before things went uh, awry there. You know, Flip wasn't there for those years uh, where things went sideways with the Eagles and Carson Wentz. But I think Flip and Coach John Filippo, I should say, what he brings to the table will be important for, for Justin Fields. And, you know, just a couple of thoughts on what we saw from him in OTAs. It, it wasn't a great day, uh, at least from my perspective, 
perspective for Justin Fields. But again, this goes back to what Matt Nagy just said about responding and learning from it. Uh, from my vantage point, we saw Justin Fields throw an interception. He was on the opposite field. I couldn't take note of who the player was, but you hope when he watches that, he learns from it. Um, I think, I don't know if Matt Nagy saw that enough for Mitch Trubisky, especially as the the interception started to build in training camp. So something to watch. Um, if you want to listen to Nagy again, just rewind, but um, it's always good to get that perspective. All right, um, we're going to take another quick break, and then after that, I'm going to have your questions. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, I asked for him, and you sent a bunch of questions over uh, last night about the the Bears OTA. So let me uh, go through uh, at least a bunch of these before we we get out of here. Um, This one is from Dave Saunders on Twitter. Can you shed some light on what drills and techniques are used specifically to evaluate the QB position? Does Nagy have a particular process in deciding, or is it just basically an eye test thing? Well, there's a lot of things afoot here. Um, It's scheme. It's his ability to process when we're talking about Justin Fields. But I I think with Nagy, like, like, I don't mean to sidestep your questions about like the drills and techniques because everything they're doing looks pretty standard. If if there's something special going on, it's not obvious. All the drills that I saw at the Bears open OTA yesterday looks like everything you usually see um, during these types of practices. Nothing stood out to me in terms of the drills or techniques they're they're being taught. It looked all very familiar to to previous practices. To me, it's, it's almost like the emotions of this decision, the decision of going from Dalton to Fields. Like, is he ready? Like, you almost have to take emotion out of it because everybody's eager to see Justin Fields, right? I, I'm eager to see him. Fans are eager. I'm sure Matt Nagy is crazy eager to see him. But when does that clock start? When is the right time? Y- you got to take emotion out of the equation. And emotion right now is is part of it. Um, 
I think you'll come along with the scheme. I think you'll come along with the process and the decision-making that Matt Nagy wants to see. To me, it's the, the emotions of it. Is he ready to handle it? Um, there's a lot there. So it, it's schematically, it's the process, it's the decision-making, but it's also this emotional part that you need to take into to this decision. It's how eager are you? Is he truly ready? Um, there's a lot involved. So I think that's the, like, to me, if I had to like weigh things, that stands out to me because there's an excitement that comes with Justin Fields and eventually you're going to want some of that excitement on the field. But is he truly ready for that moment? I guess you never know until you throw him in there, but that's on Matt Nagy to make that decision. All right, going through these. Um, <laughs> this is from Brian Phillips. Is it okay to wear my old parky jersey to save money at my new Fields one? I would suggest getting rid of that parky jersey immediately if you can't change that name plate. Um, this is from Dwayne Corey. Do you really see Nick Foles on this roster next season? I do not. Thanks. Um, Dwayne, no, I do not see him on the roster uh, next season. I think there's still a debate out there whether or not he can be traded before the season, whether or not it takes an injury or something like that um, to make that come to fruition. But the Bears did try uh, to trade him before the draft, after the draft. There, there were there were conversations um had he was in the trade market and, and nobody there are no takers for for Nick Foles so he's part of this now this quarterback room and I think the Bears are okay that like yeah you're trying to to help the player out um, I think Nick Foles is probably maybe a little bit more comfortable here than returning to to other teams um, and he's okay with being another mentor for. Justin Fields. He's okay with being that third string quarterback. Matt Nagy made that clear. He's okay with that. He's okay with helping Justin Fields as much as he can. The same applied to Mitch Trubisky. Now that was a bit different because they were in a quarterback competition, but I think the Bears see immense value in having a Nick Foles around um, for as long as possible. We'll see if he gets traded or not, but the Bears do see value in having a quarterback who has won a Super Bowl, a quarterback who has been in big games, a quarterback who has been with different teams uh, at different points in his career, and having that type of insight available for Justin Fields, um, I think they see as immensely beneficial, at least for the time being, here on June 3rd at 9.55 in the morning. This is from Joe Springer on Twitter. Who do you expect to start on the interior offensive line? Two former second round picks and two former undrafted players are going for three spots. Um, here is your starting offensive line right now. Um, I, I think you have a competition at left tackle between Elijah Wilkinson and Tevin Jenkins. I think eventually Tevin Jenkins is going to take that. But then you have Cody White here at left guard, Sam Mustafer at center, James Daniels at right guard. Um, Yes, left guard, white hair, center, Mustafer, right guard, uh, James Daniels, and then right tackle, you have Jermaine Effetti, who looks uh, thin and, and in shape. He looks good, This uh, at least talking to him over Zoom yesterday. Looks looks in good shape. We know Juan Castillo earlier this offseason thought he could play at a Pro Bowl level. We'll, we'll see if that comes to, to fruition, if that's even a real possibility for Jermaine Effetti, but um, Effetti liked his coach talking him up a bit. He does seem motivated by it, and he's got to hold down that spot before Larry Borum, the Bears' prize fifth-round pick, comes in. That's a fifth-round pick. The Bears actually had third-round grades on, uh, so we'll see um, how long that lasts. Um, 
This is from Dakota Harper on Twitter. I'm going to ask the obvious question here, but how the new quarterbacks look, how the new QBs look. Um, I said this earlier in the show. As far as first impressions go, Andy Dalton was considerably better. I'm not going to say significantly, but considerably better than my first impression of Nick Foles. It was the the quick release. It was the completions. It was the lack of checkdowns. Again, this is an OTA. The guys are just wearing shorts and their helmets, and a lot of the, the Bears' best defensive players weren't there. But as far as first impressions go, it was better than Nick Foles. Andy Dalton looked better. The offense looked better than Nick Foles. Now, it, it does help that there's an OTA to, to get through. But, guys, when Nick Foles came in during training camp, I think I think his start was just flat-out disappointing. I think the Bears expected better. I think that's why you saw Mitch Trubisky win that starting job. Um, not because Trubisky was significantly better. Uh, he was better, in my opinion, but because Nick Foles struggled immensely immensely um, in training camp. And Andy, Andy, Andy Foles, Andy Dalton looked okay. looked pretty good in the open OTA that, that, went, that we went to. I was impressed. It was better than Nick Foles. All right, let's get through a few more of these. Um, we'll, this is from Chris Humphreys on Twitter. Will Cole Komet be integrated into the offense earlier than he was last year? What sort of production is realistic to expect from him in year two? I, I made a note of this in my OTA notebook. You could check that out on the athletic, athletic right now as you're listening. There are two players who stood out to me during the Bears' first OTA. It was Cole Komet, the second-year tight end, and veteran wide receiver Marquise Goodwin. I didn't know Goodwin was that fast. He seemed open a lot. Again, this is against some of the Bears' backup defensive backs, but he had a good day of practice. His speed stood out to me. I think from an intangible perspective, you're going to have some good things happening there as well with some of the younger guys kind of gravitating towards him. But then there was Cole Komet. It was the the catches at the back of the end zone from Andy Dalton and Justin Fields. It was one-on-one against Roquan Smith, and this is during a, a team drill, and creating instant separation. This is one of the Bears' best defenders, the only starting linebacker there, and Cole Komet won that rep and had a decent game for um, Andy Dalton and the Bears' offense. Like That stood out to me. You write that down in your notebook. Um, he's a guy you watch. And yes, the expectation this year is that he will be integrated faster into the offense. He will be important to Andy Dalton. He will be important to Justin Fields whenever he takes the field. He's supposed to be one of your better offensive weapons. And I think you saw some of that play out um, Wednesday at Hallis Hall. He looked good. Now I want to see it against the Bears' best defensive backs, but he looked good uh, on Wednesday during OTAs. This is from Sean. Does Justin Fields look like a natural out there so far? Uh, again, the Wednesday probably wasn't one of his better days, but you see it. Like it, it's like the, the the deep pass on on a uh, you know to David Montgomery, you know, running out of the backfield. Like the the talent is there. He he looks the part. Um, you see it in the interactions with his teammates. You, you see it on some of the even in some of the most basic drills that they do. Yes, he he looks the part. Now I want to see what happens in 
veteran minicamp when all the veteran defensive players are expected to be there because it is mandatory. And I want to see what happens during training camp. But Justin Fields looks the part. Like, he does. He looks like a professional quarterback. And the Bears should be extremely excited about what they have there. Um, Let's do two more here. This is from Dylan Davids, what's your biggest concern going into OTAs with the the team? Um, I don't know if I have one. Um, my most concerning position is outside linebacker um, because I, I, I think it's a very thin position. I, I will say this. I took note of how much bigger uh, Travis Gibson looks as opposed to last year. Uh, this is a, a fifth-round pick that the Bears traded into the fifth round, I should say, last year to get. This is a guy the Bears are counting on to bring some production to defensively, and the pass rush was not a strength for the Bears last season. They're going to need some help, and Travis Gibson should provide that help. I don't know how much you could count on Robert Quinn. We know Khalil Mack will be Khalil Mack. Will he produce at a defensive player of the year level? I don't know, but that's the expectation. It, it should always be the expectation for Cleo Mack. But Travis Gibson is a guy that has to produce. He needs to do more than he did last year. Now he was playing a different position than he did in college. That There was a, an adjustment from being a hand under the dirt defensive lineman, in a sense, at Tulsa, as opposed to what he's being asked to do right now as a 3-4 outside linebacker, a guy who is in an upright position. This was a transition for him. The, his, his, his coaches have made this clear. But looking at him yesterday at OTAs, he looks bigger. He looks a little bit faster. Again, let's see what happens when it ramps up in training camp and the full pads are on. All right, last question here. Let's try to find a good one here. Um, a, couple, uh, a lot of Tariq Cohen questions. Uh, Tariq Cohen was actually at practice. He wasn't doing much. We know he's returning from that torn ACL last year, but he looked, now he wasn't in drills, but he looked like the same energetic running back, you know, um, player that he's always been, you know, dancing to the music, um, hopping around, uh, cheering on his teammates, a lot of high fives from him, always flinging a, a ball around in the air. That That's three Cohen. Um, you could tell he's excited to, to return to the field. He's going to be an important player for Matt Nagy's offense. I think, you have to start looking at him differently than just a normal quarterback or quarterback running back because he is different from, different from that. He's, he is not here to take carries away from David Montgomery. Damian Williams is here to help David Montgomery carry the load, the veteran running back from the Chiefs. He's here to do that. Tariq Cohen is an adjuster. In many ways, he's a slot receiver uh, for, for the Bears' offense. Now, he comes out of the backfield sometimes and then goes to the slot, but that role is there for him this year. He's, he's, yeah, he'll get his carries, um, um, but there'll be a lot of pass plays designed specifically for him. And I think the Bears missed that last year, um, significantly missed that last year when Tariq Cohen was hurt. Uh, Matt Nagy loves to use him as just a different, versatile chess piece, and he didn't have that last year at his disposal. Um, there were a few questions about Anthony Miller. Saw some drops. Uh, he did have a big catch um, from Justin Fields. I think he actually shared that today on on Instagram or something. So check out uh, one of Anthony Miller's social media things um, uh, for, for that highlight. But this is a big year for him. 
let's be honest, Marquise Goodwin stood out to me yesterday at OTAs. Darnell Mooney, he's your number two wide receiver. I think he's going to benefit from the deep ball that Justin Fields has, whatever that um, takes or becomes a, a big part of the Bears' offense. And then uh, you have Allen Robinson, who wasn't there at OTAs, but you know he's your number one wide receiver. And then, okay, I think that is... Going to be it. Um, just just a quick thought. There was a couple questions on the Bears' uh, defense. I don't mind this, guys. Um, with with all the defensive players missing practice, um, I don't think that's it, it, it's that much of a big deal. It is great that they're all in these Zoom meetings. It is a different year. Um, we're still on the tail end of this pandemic, and like the Bears, the Bears were one of of many teams, the majority of teams, I should say, in the league that issued statements about sitting out these practices. So, you know, some players were like, I wasn't expecting to see Khalil Mack out there. I wasn't expecting to see Danny Trevathan out there. I wasn't expecting to see a key mix out there. And, and really, I think they've earned the right to not be there. You know what you're going to get for them. Yeah, there's always questions about what they're doing away from the field because you want to know, you know, what, what, what their workouts are like. But do you really have questions about those guys' work ethic? I, I don't. I don't think the Bears do. Yeah, they would love them to be there, but th- these are your your, your proven leaders. Um, they, they've earned the right not to be there. These are voluntary. Um, you see it across the league. You know, Some of the best players on a lot of teams across the NFL skip out on these things, so I'm not too worried about it. Um, now, would you like to see... Deion Bush and DeAndre Houston Carson and Jordan Lucas and Artie Burns, some of those guys there, yeah. But as as far as your starters, um, I think they're okay missing a couple days in June. Um, and they're in these Zoom meetings to connect with Sean Desai anyway, so I'm not too concerned about it. Um, but I do like, you know, it, it's I, I do like that Roquan Smith is there. Um, I, 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 I'm going to write about this on The Athletic later today. But this is a guy who's becoming a leader for your team. Just like David Montgomery on the other side is becoming a leader for your team. And there are some new young voices taking over. And I think Roquan Smith is going to be one of them. I think David Montgomery is going to be one of them. I think eventually Cole Clement is going to be one of them. And this is what you need. The Bears were a team that's that because of their free agency moves have gotten older the past couple of years. And now your young leaders, your Roquan Smiths, your David Montgomery's, your Cole Comets are being heard more now. They're becoming your leaders now on both sides of the ball. And I think that's an intangible benefit that can't be underrated. So if I'm looking at this through a positive lens, um, I'm talking about the absences of all the defensive players. I like that Roquan Smith is there. I think you're going to see him take another couple steps on the field after his Pro Bowl-worthy season last year. I think you're going to see that development continue on the field. And then I think off it, you're going to see um, a special player. Matt Nagy highlighted this too. You're going to see a special player come about for the Chicago Bears. That's it. Near solo podcast uh, for for Hogan Johns. Um, Thanks for listening. Um, We'll be back next week. Uh, I think Hogue might be back. Maybe Kevin Fishbane might fill in. Uh, Maybe Robert Mays. We'll see what we do, Um, but we'll be back to discuss another Bears OTA. I will field your questions as well. I like doing that, especially after these uh, open OTA practices um, in June. So I'm here for you. Um, We'll answer your questions again, but thanks for listening. Um, You can follow me 
at Adam Johns, J-A-H-N-S. You can congratulate my guy Adam Hogue on the birth of his daughter, Olivia Rose, at Adam Hogue, H-O-G-E. Um, thank you. Um, check us out next week. See ya. Go Bears. <laughs>